I'm Sarah Resnick. And I'm LaShawn Moore. And we are the hosts of the Weave Podcast, a project of the weaving yarn shop, Just Yarn and Fiber. Hello. Hi, everyone. In this week's episode, I'm speaking with Brianna Bibbs. Brianna is a Chicago-based textile artist, painter, and art educator who earned her Bachelor of Fine Arts with an emphasis in fiber and material studies at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. She is the founder of the We Were Never Alone Project, which is a weaving workshop for victims and survivors of domestic violence. She's a current artist in residence at the Chicago Artists Coalition Hatch and serves on the Surface Design Association's Education Committee. Brianna's work has been on view at the Evanston Art Center, ARC Gallery, and the Bridgeport Art Center. Hello, Brianna. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Hello. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Can you start out by telling us about your background and where you're from? Yeah, so I am a Chicago-based textile artist, painter, and a teaching artist as well. And how did you begin working with textiles? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, So I think like maybe most people, uh, I really wanted to be a painter, specifically an abstract painter. Um, And I really didn't learn a lot about textiles until I had gone to SAIC for my undergrad. Um, I had entered SAIC in the painting department, the painting and drawing department, and uh, I was really interested in how to grow my use of color um, and to really uh, convey how I was feeling through abstract art. But unfortunately, that department (laughs) didn't work out for me. So uh, second year at SAIC, I was really trying to figure out what I was going to do because if I had had this idea that I would be in the painting department uh, during my entire time there. So I was searching for courses, and I came across this course called the Introduction uh, to Fiber Material Studies, and I had no idea what it was, but I was really intrigued by it because there were things that I was somewhat familiar with, like crochet and knitting. I saw my mom crochet from time to time. Um, embroidery work was something that my grandmother, who I call my Mima, used to do. Um, and then I was somewhat familiar with quilting because my grandfather, uh, who I call my Papa George, who is from the South, Alabama specifically, he has this kind of closet full (laughs) of quilts. And I didn't really understand the process of it, um... You know, I just knew that they were something to keep you warm. Uh, but I was intrigued by by learning more about, you know, the labor and process that goes behind those things. So uh, I took the class and, you know, we start, I think we started off with like crochet and knit. And then we went to weaving. <laughs> and I honestly thought, I was like, oh, I'm not going to like this. Like the process is so... <laughs> tedious and it's so long and uh my amazing professor Jerry Bleem who is just fantastic I always always talk about him he broke us up into groups so like one group they started 
warping, you know, the warp board. Then after they were done with that, the next group would, you know, start to dress the loom. And then we wove, I think we wove like these 10 by 10 inch uh, weavings and we got to use whatever materials were on hand. And I think I wove like this really kind of weird striped, I think it was like cream and uh, like an evergreen (laughs) color and like a burnt orange. And I remember that feeling of cutting it off the loom and that feeling being so rewarding and so satisfying. So I remember at the time I was living at home with my parents and I like ran home and was like super excited (laughs) about this, you know, small weaving I had made. And they kind of looked at me and they were like, yeah, okay, like, sure. Like if, you know, if this is what you want to do, fine. So I really fell in love with just the process of it all. Um, And then from that point on, I decided to, to take more classes. So... Yeah, that's such a, a interesting way to sort of find yourself in weaving. And I absolutely identify with how daunting it could seem to begin weaving when totally. you have to figure out how to warp and then the loom and then the numbers and the this and the that. It, it can definitely be so daunting. And so once you do finish your first piece, I could just imagine your fulfillment when you finished yeah, and I felt, you know, it's interesting because I felt I felt like a child again in this, like, really kind of weird way. You know how, like, when you're a kid and you do these, like, kindergarten projects or whatever, like, you mm. run home to your parents and you're like, Mom, Dad, you know, like, look at what I did. I kind of had that same feeling. And, um, yeah, I, I, I knew that this was something that I needed to keep up with. And, too, Jerry uh, was he just kind of came up to me at one point and he was like, I think you, I think you found your niche. And I was like, mm. okay. And he, and he, you know, he explained, he said, you know, I've seen you do other, um, techniques and things like that within the fibers department. He said, but this one specifically, I think you, I think you found something here. So with him saying that was, um, a lot of motivation for me to just keep going. That's so beautiful. And I'm really interested in kind of going back to what you were first saying when you were interested in abstract painting. I'm curious of how that interest in um, contemporary art or um I don't know if, if it would be called contemporary art, but I guess abstract art. I'm curious if your interest in abstract art kind of lives in the textures and the way that you weave. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, you know, all I think all of my work is just one big autobiography of my life and things that I've gone through, whether that be things like the quarantine series and more recently the journal series where it's kind of this like daily documentation um versus you know my larger scale pieces like that bad space or cold player kind of about these uh really dark times for me um and me processing and reflecting those dark times um but i but i all of my work is is abstract. Um, I was 
when I was uh, documenting my journal series to add more uh, pieces to my website last week, I kind of had this moment where I was like a lot of, I think a lot of what I had learned in the painting department as far as color really carried over into my work because any and everything for me goes with color. Like I am such a huge fan of color. I'm a huge fan of um, kente cloth, for example. I studied a little bit of that while I was in school. And the way that they use color, not only color, but pattern to tell the story of an individual, I think is so powerful. Because I think we often look at stories as being text. But what happens when you eliminate that text and you create something that's more abstract or representational about an individual? I think that is incredibly powerful. Um, so with all of that being said, a lot of the work that I was doing in the painting department was mark making, experimentation with color, uh, experimentation with materials, I think... My first year, I used, like, sugar in one of my paintings, which was, like, such a bad hmm. idea. Um, <laughs> because, you know, ants are a thing. Um, but, yeah, I used sugar in one of my paintings, and a lot of people were wondering, like, what it was, because it was kind of glistening within this, uh, within the oil paint. So people were kind of questioning what that was. But I feel like there's a certain amount of freedom that you have with textiles that you don't often get with, with painting. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like for me, anything kind of goes, uh, when it comes to textiles. So I think I wanted that in my, in my abstract painting. I think I really wanted that, that freedom. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely understand where you're coming from because I feel like with fiber art, there are these very sort of like strict parameters for making something, whether it be stitching or weaving or sewing or construction. But then within those parameters, there's so many avenues that you can explore and so many different ways to sort of express yourself. And so I, I definitely understand that. And I'm really curious, you know, if we could dive a little bit deeper into what you were saying about how your work is sort of like a journal or a documentation of your experiences in life. You describe your work as being based on your love for journaling and your struggles with mental health, acceptance, relationships and other personal matters. I'm curious it as to whether you can talk about how some of these themes live in your work specifically or you know, I absolutely have found myself working with fiber arts for its ability to um, lessen my personal anxieties and, and to kind of like shit me away from a lot of the ways in which life can kind of take you. Um, and I also, in in little ways, kind of put little notes in my work that only I can really recognize and I'm just curious if you do that as well like if it's an aesthetic representation as well as something that's just physically good for the body and the mind yeah so I guess I'll start um just kind of you know a brief story of of my journaling history or journaling past um 
I used to journal all the time when I was a kid. I remember, like, because I'm a 90s child, I had this, like, really awfully printed denim sticker journal that I always used to write in. <laughs> and I I still have it. Like, I still have all of my journals. I try to keep all of them, even though I, I've never actually finished a journal. Um, but, yeah, I used to write in that journal all the time as a kid. Never wrote on the lines. Always was, like, you know, angrily writing across the entire page. Um, but I I enjoyed it because I I was taught to I was taught to always kind of keep what's going on uh, within the family within my own emotions to myself. Um, same thing with with friends and relationships. You know, whatever you're going through, try to try to hold it in. So I did, and the only way for me to really express my feelings was through journaling. Um, so then, you know, I I went to art school, and I was able to try to, you know, tell my story visually. Um, and I still do that, right? Like, I still try to tell my my own personal stories about mental health through my work, my own personal stories of having gone through a decade-long relationship uh, that was full of narcissistic abuse. I tell that, st- I mean, somebody asked me the a few weeks ago, you know, how long are you going to make work about that? And I have no idea because it was 10 years of my life. Um, and it was, you know, the important years of my life, you know, like tail end of high school, through college, after college. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's a process, but also too, I feel like these things need to be talked about, right? Like we're talking about mental health now, which is great. I think we need to discuss it because it is a very real thing that I think everybody knows someone with mental health issues. Um, but narcissistic abuse is another, is another thing. Um, and I feel like personally, that's not, that's not being talked about. Um, so I try to talk about those things in my work through the use of title. Um, Coldplay is a really good, I think a really good example of uh, what I had gone through in that relationship of, in that piece I used uh, materials that are used in a wedding gown. I had 12 uh, five inch wide strips that are roughly like 50, 55, 56 inches long, maybe. Um, and I had hand sewn them all together, but coming out of that weaving is this cathedral length veil, right? So it's like that piece for me was a piece about being presented this future constantly. You know, you're anybody who's been through narcissistic abuse knows that you're constantly presented with this will work out in the end. Uh, we will have a future together. We will be happy. But that's never, ever the case. 
So that piece for me was really about kind of the brokenness of, of that relationship, but still being hopeful um, that, you know, I will be happy in a relationship one day. So my use of materials in that, right, is a little bit more direct, but in pieces like You've Never Really Had a Purpose, which is this large uh, red piece that is strip-woven and hand-sewn together, but then has these really kind of aggressive uh, red marks on them. That one, (laughs) you know... Everybody has their own experience with that, that piece, which I appreciate about my work. I don't always want to be direct in what my work means because I, I think artwork is powerful when people have their own experience with it. Um, and I think with that specific piece, some of the feedback that I had gotten was there's a lot of strength and power in that piece. Um, and if that person feels that way, you know, that's, that's great. Now (laughs) their use of the word power might be different than, uh, you know, my use of the word power, but still they're having their own experience, um, with, with the piece, which I think is, which I think is great. But most of the time, whatever I'm feeling about the piece that I'm making, I always try to put some subtle hint in the title. Mm. And we'll definitely have to make sure we have images of this piece that you were just talking about so people can kind of put a face to the conversation. It sounds like such a really beautiful but also really deep piece that probably will elicit a lot of contemplation amongst people who view it. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, uh, I also got asked the question once of like, since all of your work is pretty heavy in subject matter, like how are you able to, to do it? And it's, I mean, unfortunately, you know, there are certain aspects of anyone's life who stays with them for the rest of their lives, but it's, it's a, it's a matter of how you get past it and how you heal from it and what you do to like mass that pain. Right. Um, so that's kind of how that's kind of how I look at it. And something that I would imagine is also related to this uh these pieces are that you are doing domestic violence weaving workshops. Um and I believe you said it's in collaboration with the We Were Never Alone project. Yeah, so that's a project that I started last year. Um, It was something that I thought about for a really, really, really long time. Um, But, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not an art therapist. (laughs) So there's, you know, there was, I was very hesitant about doing it because, you know, I know people want actual, like, trained therapists, and I'm not that by any means. Um, So I started the project uh, back in September of last year. And we held it at this uh, artist-run space uh, in Oak Park, Illinois, called Compound Yellow. And it was myself and uh, five other amazing people that I'm forever grateful for. And we sat down 
and we introduced ourselves and I taught them how to weave on these uh, cardboard looms. And we did, you know, basic weaving. We did plain weave and then later on in the four hour workshop, we did a little bit of uh, Raya. And after I taught them those techniques, you know, I kind of opened up the floor and said, Obviously, I can tell my story because, you know, this is this is my project, uh, so I could tell it first. Or whoever uh, is ready to tell their story first, you know, please feel free. So we all told our stories, and they weren't easy stories to hear. <laughs> but we all, oddly enough, we all kind of pinged off of each other and said like, oh yeah, that happened to me too. Or like, oh yeah, I went through something, you know, similar. But after it happened, there was such this great sense of community. Um, And we all, you know, talked to one another and talked about getting dinner at some point, you know, when COVID is is done and over with. Um, And everybody was so grateful for that workshop. And I honestly, I I wasn't sure how successful it would be because, you know, like I said, I'm not a therapist, so I didn't know what they thought they were coming into. But I tried my best to make it clear that, like, you know, I'm a survivor myself um, and I really want this environment to be a safe, judgmental, free space where we can just talk about what we've gone through. Um, and and we did, and it, I think it turned out great. But um, right now I have a workshop and a new space, uh, Oliva Gallery in Chicago. Um, and Kimberly over there is so kindly enough to also believe in the, in the project. So I have a workshop coming up uh, March 21st. And then I have two more planned uh, in the spring, later in the spring and in the summer at Compound Yellow as well. So I'm really hoping that that project can travel <laughs> uh, because I think it's a project that's that's unfortunately needed. You know, so many people are afraid to tell their stories because of, you know, backlash and just the incredible amount of stigma that comes along with being a survivor. So, you know, I really want this project to um, allow other victims and survivors to feel comfortable in a space. And thank you for, for one, for starting such an amazing initiative, but also just creating space within the world of weaving because I say this often on the podcast, but I really do think that there's something really spiritual about the practice of weaving. You know, the the word weaving is used so often to represent community and coming together and, and so many aspects of our society. And so I think that when weavers can use their practice to further the notion of creating community, but also creating healing, I think is so important and so beautiful. So thank you so much for creating that initiative and 
you know, I'm excited to see how you grow and where this continues to, to how this continues to flourish. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I'm, I'm excited too. Um, you know, there's a, there's a website for it. Um, and on there, because, you know, I want to keep everything private for people. You know, I don't, I told the first group, you know, all of your stories are safe with me. They're not going anywhere. You know, they're not my stories to tell, but I do want to give them some kind of, some kind of voice. Um, so when the participants finish up their weavings, I always ask permission to post them on the website. So I'm hoping to, to add, uh, some more with these upcoming workshops, just so people can see kind of the strength and healing in those, those weavings by themselves. Cause they're, they're all gorgeous. There's three up there right now and they're, they're, really really great and where can people go on social media and the internet to follow your work and also to potentially attend one of your workshops yeah so you can go to uh the we were never alone project.org um and that is where i will post a lot of again the images of uh the weavings from participants there's also a share your story anonymously page uh, because I think it's important for people to share their stories. So, um, you know, people who are out there wondering, like myself, I was always wondering, like, you know, are other people going through this too? Um, people can share their stories on that page for that purpose. Um, and then there's also an Instagram page as well also probably like the the longest Instagram username uh but it's the we were never alone project uh so people can can follow that um to to keep up with workshops and and other things that are going on and I do have a question before we kind of switching gears because I'm just curious yeah um do you have a preferred weaving style or tool Ooh, um, I have my 55-inch Gilmore loom in my studio that I love. It's eight harnesses, and it's fantastic. Although I f- it was a gift from my parents, and I appreciate oh, them so, so much for that. Yeah, they got it for me after graduation. But, like, I never use anything more than four harnesses. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe eventually, you know, I'll use all eight, but right now I just use uh, the four harnesses. Uh, and then it's my shacked lily loom, my frame loom. I love it. I think it's so great. It's what I do all of my journal series weavings um, on. And yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I love that, that little loom. Yeah, awesome. So before you go, we have one question that we ask everyone that joins the podcast. And that is, do you have any advice or words of wisdom to share with weavers and textile enthusiasts? Mm, Yeah, I would say, uh, I would say just, just do, just do it. (laughs) Um, There were a lot of things that I feel like with, with weaving, you know, everybody wants things to be perfect and precise and neat and your selvages have got to look great. But like what happens when you don't do that? I try to, in my weaving workshops, 
that I teach online um, and in person too, I always try to encourage people to um, allow their mistakes to happen. That's something that I do in my own work. Like my journal series probably has so many mistakes in it, although it's just all of my weavings are always woven in plain weave. I don't weave anything other than plain weave. Um, but I think there's there's beauty in those mistakes. Like, I'll make a mistake sometimes when I'm, like, watching TV, and then I'll look down, and I'll be like, oh, you know, like, I skipped, like, three or four um, warp threads. But to me, that shows that I was doing something else <laughs> other than what I was, you know, supposed to be doing. So I say just allow mistakes to happen because I think um, sometimes you might find beauty in it and you might want to 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 stick with it. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> That's a wrap. If you're interested in supporting some of the projects mentioned in our conversation or to see a full transcript of this week's episode, you can find links in the show notes at www.justyarn.com slash episode 135. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. Until next time, happy weaving. Thank you.